so I feel like I've moved into a new place where those things aren't like haunting me, listening back to my voice. And then also there was an ultra critical aspect that was coming out to be released. It was really difficult to do that while I was also doing an activity that lends itself to self-criticism. Yeah. So I feel better about that. And, you know, I've never had an issue with recording. I could record an episode every three days, you know, it's just like everything that you record then has to be edited. And that's the, (laughs) that was the trip up. Right. Patreon, uh, the last two weeks editing that was also really liberating. Mm -hmm. I was releasing family secrets and that felt really liberating too. And it felt very empowering. Yeah. I feel like those two Patreon episodes were actually like something I needed to get out Mm -hmm. of my system because I was in a sense telling on my family in particular ways. And in doing so, I feel more authentic in myself. Yeah. And I feel more casual. Ah. Um, I feel like this uh, thing is melted away. I don't have to expend energy keeping other people's bad secrets for them. Mm -hmm. You know, and just being like, that's just not my responsibility and I don't have to do it anymore. Yeah. In a way that's like visceral. I feel invigorated, reinvigorated. Nice. Yeah. So how are, how are you feeling with everything? Good. Like it's feels like it's been a really long time. Mm-hmm. We did talk, but it's still, mm-hmm. that feels like it was a long time ago too. I think it was like two weeks ago, but it feels longer. The past two weeks have just been like, I know it's weird. So it's fun to see you again. Feel your energy. Thank you. Um, I'm getting ready to start like a new year. I feel like a little bit chaotic, but not like I feel like chaos can be coming, but I just need to take steps now to like mitigate Mm -hmm. the oncoming chaos to lessen it. I feel like maybe we should, because I have this coming up and it's like, and I'm going to be gone for a week. Mm-hmm. What if we just do summer school schedule and then we just do like two and then. Okay. okay. So for July and August, we realized that we've been going at it long and hard. <laughs> and we just needed to pull, pull out oh. of the situation. Okay. <laughs> a brief moment in time big scheme of things and take it summer school hours we're gonna be coming two times a month to lovely listening ears for the summer we will be back to our regularly scheduled deprogramming this fall so sarah that that's what that's what's gonna be happening on cover your eyes podcast I think it sounds good. Um, right now, we're presenting you with 
Legal Eagles, which we recorded a little while ago. Very excited. We hope that it lights your fire. Do you have anything to add? <laughs> it's, no, <laughs> I'm speechless. <laughs> it's good to be back recording with you. It's so fun and hilarious. <laughs> and I just am overwhelmed. Awesome. <laughs> Greetings, we're Technically a Conversation, a podcast for curious people by curious people. Every week, we take turns presenting a new topic, and the other host has no idea what the topic will be. We strive to educate in a way that's loose and fun. Our topics are all over the place, from light and funny to dark and sometimes spooky. Some of the topics we've covered include urban legends, civil rights activists, vampires, pop culture icons, the supernatural and occult, spies and espionage, science and astronomy, and other weird and random things. If any of these topics interest you, give our podcast a shot. Listen and subscribe at technicallyaconversation.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Parental advisory, we might use strong language. Welcome to Cover Your Eyes Podcast. Today we're talking about the movie Legal Eagles from 1986, starring Robert Redford and Deborah Winger and Daryl Hannah. Hi, Holly. Hi, Sarah. Holly, you suggested this movie mm-hmm. I did. based on the fact that we're doing Hollywood hunks and your mom was gaga over mm-hmm. Robert Redford. Robert Redford. Especially in this movie. <laughs> Um, so yes, I, I don't know if I've actually ever seen this movie. I'm just going to be honest until this. I've heard of it, but I enjoyed it. It was Mm -hmm. good. Well, I feel like (laughs) most movies should be 90 minutes long. And if they're longer than that, they need another round of editing. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's because I have a small bladder. It felt like a lot of different movies at once. <laughs> Maybe that's an Ivan Reitman thing because he directed this and he did Stripes also, right? I know he did Twins. <gasps> the classic Arnold Schwarzenegger, Danny DeVito, <laughs> madcap <laughs> comedy. Twins. Oh <laughs> and Junior. Junior. Where I think the men get pregnant. Where Arnold oh, yeah. Schwarzenegger like gets pregnant or something. Yes, and of course Ghostbusters. Right. But I thought it was. Uh, I think it was also Stripes, and that yeah. seemed like two different movies, and that's what made me think of. Yeah, you're right. Uh, to be honest with you, it seemed like a lot of different movies to me as well because I originally started watching it on some like free movie site, <laughs> and I was also doing like a seminar or something so I had it muted with captions on and then I tr- the, I realized the captions weren't keeping up properly and then yeah. I turned on the volume finally and I realized it was in German <laughs> and I was like all right I can't do this anymore so I eventually was like I'll just pay for it <laughs> so then I watched the second half like properly <laughs> nice so this seems like 
a departure from his other movies. Yeah, it's not a zany. <laughs> zany. He's okay. So Tom's an assistant DA. That's Robert Redford. Mm-hmm. Laura is Deborah Winger. Laura Kelly. She's a defense attorney. She's pretty zany. Then there's Chelsea. I didn't remember her last name. That's Daryl Hannah. Chelsea's dad is an artist. She's eight. It's her birthday party. Her dad gives her a painting for her birthday. The next thing you know, there's a horrible fire and all of his paintings are destroyed. His friend, played by the immaculate Terrence Stamp, saves little Chelsea. She sees these two guys struggling in the fire as she's being whisked away. Next thing you know, she's arrested. She's 26 now. She's arrested for trying to steal the painting that her dad gave her for her birthday when she was eight. Romance ensues. There's a lot of random shooting and shit blowing up. (laughs) Weird car chase. Lo and behold, her dad's three business partners set him up to die so that they could steal all of his art, collect the insurance money on it, wait on, sit on the art, and then slowly release it and resell it. The plot's really convoluted. It kind of is, right? There's some twists and turns with one of the characters, Kavanaugh, played by Brian Dennehy, who's like, I'm a detective. I'm Detective Kavanaugh. You guys better look into this old case because I think Chelsea's dad was murdered. And he basically gives the whole plot away. And he's like, I got sent on trash detail or whatever, wherever cops get sent when they're in the in the doghouse. You find out later that he's not Kavanaugh. He's Brock, who's coming back for to seek his revenge on the other two guys that were in the plot to steal all the paintings. Chelsea is charged with trying to steal the painting that her dad gave her. Later, she's charged for murdering Terrence Stamp, whose name is Taft. Taft? Then we find out that she was having an affair with Taft, which is super gross because he saved her life when she was an Mm eight-year-old. Also because he stole all of her inheritance and murdered her father. Yeah. (laughs) So there's a lot going on. (laughs) Obviously she gets off, Brock kills Taft. So that guy that plays Forrester, he's in a movie called Sweet Charity. It's a Bob Fosse movie from the late mm-hmm. 60s, and it's got Shirley MacLaine in it. Yeah. Oh, his name's uh, McMartin. Yeah. John McMartin. He gets murdered second. Brock keeps blaming Daryl Hannah's character, Chelsea. And it's like, so you guys, you three adult men, you know this little girl. She's a child. She's like eight. They were friends with her dad. They were in business with her dad. 
So they knew this kid. You saw that birthday party. There were no children at that birthday party. Mm-hmm. You know, she's like the kid that just hangs out with her dad's friends. Yeah. And then, so there's three adult men. They risk her life as an eight-year-old child setting her house on fire. They murder her father. They steal her birthright. One of them pins two murders on her. (laughs) (laughs) And then the other guy sleeps with her and carries on like a romantic quote unquote relationship with her. Yeah. I'm like, who the fuck are these guys? This is messed up. I mean, talk about the me generation. Oh my God. That poor little girl. Yeah, her eighth birthday party looked like Studio 54 or something. (laughs) This isn't right. Yeah, so she's basically like abused by them her whole life. At one point, she says that she was living with Taft um, basically in order to get information from him that she needed to try to figure out more about her father's murder. So I'm assuming at that point, she didn't think he was involved. I hope, unless she was just like really dedicated to the cause and was willing to sleep with him for two years. Well, okay. So I have a problem with that because at the end of the movie, she's like, I was only with him for one reason, Mm -hmm. which is like to figure out if he was involved. It made her sound like she's like this. I just use my sexuality to get what I want. And took the emphasis off how this is the guy, Taft is the one that saved her from the fire. He carried her out. Mm -hmm. So my guess is initially she thought if I'm going to have an ally in this, it would be him because he saved me. All this is going on. It was, I felt like I was just extra confused because of the way I'd watched the movie. Like Mm -hmm. I must have (laughs) missed a lot, (laughs) but um yeah, so Robert Redford's the district attorney, and Deborah Winger is his assistant. Is that correct? <laughs> At one point, no. he calls her his assistant. I know she has an office of her own at the end, but okay. she's in court with him. <laughs> oh, God. You really did miss, like, half of the And then <laughs> I see them, like, in court. I thought they were against each other, and then they have this big event, and Robert Redford speaking at some, like, gala award ceremony, and then suddenly Deborah Winger bursts in with Daryl Hannah, Chelsea, and she takes her coat off of her so that she's wearing this, like, sexy black gown and just parades her through this, like, formal event and causes a big stir. So Laura is also using this girl's sexuality the thing that was most striking about her character she's only like 26 Mm -hmm. in the movie what happened to her before her dad died who fucking knows because she's hanging out with a bunch of party people like adults Mm -hmm. who are party people that's not good for a kid to be around we already know taft's a creep and that he was willing to have a romantic relationship with her But I feel like she plays it like the only way she knows how to be accepted is through her sexuality. It's easy to learn that you're only loved for your sexuality. So after she's paraded around that gala and then Mm -hmm. there's like a press conference kind of announcement and because she's had her trial at that point Mm -hmm. for trying to steal the artwork. 
Well, the okay, so she's been accused, and it's very public because her dad was a famous artist. And she's a pretty blonde, let's face yeah. it. So Forrester drops the charges against her. And he is like, oh, yeah, I traded that painting to the Taft Gallery, right? Mm -hmm. For a fucking Picasso. This is the, the point where I went, okay, the law system in Legal Eagles is different than the real life law system. Okay. Except that fact now. Don't ask any more questions about how the law works. Mm -hmm. Because if you try to steal a painting, isn't that then evidence that is taken into the custody of the police until a trial? Why would he still have the painting to trade? If it didn't get touched, it's not like there's no, mm -hmm. there's no, if there are no fingerprints or whatever. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I don't know what happens, except the next thing I see is that Daryl Hannah or Chelsea is back at her loft with Robert Redford. And she's doing this like <laughs> bizarre uh, art installation performance piece. Piece of cake. Piece of cake. Is that part of what she says? Old flame. Yeah. It's like this, and she's like setting things on fire. Like she sets mm -hmm. her birthday cake on fire. Mm -hmm. She sets a house on fire. Then finally she like torches this picture of herself that's in the background. And it's really just like her expressing the traumatic experience that she had of her dad being killed in the fire. On her birthday. Tom is like... I'm not going to have sex with you. <laughs> She's like very clearly trying to seduce him. Mm -hmm. And normally in a movie, I'm like, you're right. But I mean, it, it is Robert Redford. Yes. Like, I understand. Okay. <laughs> uh -huh. Even though he's, he's like 50 in this movie. So he's really like twice her age. But I feel yeah. like he was playing younger. Like, I feel like Tom was supposed to be like maybe 40, 45. Yeah. I don't feel like he was playing 50. I guess maybe because his daughter was a teenager. And I think he could pull it off because, I mean, his, Robert Redford's 50 years old in the 80s is pretty damn good. That's very good for an 80s, 50s. And his hair, he has so much hair. I just kept staring at it like, mm -hmm. is that his real hair? I think so. So much. And yeah. it's such a unique color. It's like golden strawberry blonde. It's like mm -hmm. not typical blonde. It's believable that she would try to seduce him. He's yeah. like nice and attractive and they're trying to help her. And so. he's a good daddy. And he's a good daddy. He's literally a good daddy. So that weird seduction scene she does doesn't work. I read in the credits that she actually wrote a song for that piece and perform it or something oh, like that was her inter her own interpretation yeah wow that's pretty cool I thought she did a good job I thought it was totally in her character to do that and then I also mm -hmm. felt like it was a good way of showing how this event has like constantly haunted and traumatized her and that she's never gotten over it uh, a, a child's trauma acknowledged in a movie 
that's why it was so important for her to get this specific painting back because it was uh her dad had signed it on the back to her for her birthday yeah, and so I'm, it was all she had left of him I mean mm-hmm. it's bad enough you murdered her dad but now you're stealing her painting that she got for her eighth birthday yes that's terrible and they know her I know it's not like she's some girl they've never seen and they're like well yeah he has a kid whatever you're at her birthday party dude <laughs> she's heartless <laughs> money man they just yeah. can't get enough it's like you've already got Picasso, that was Rothko's yada yada Lichtenstein's and that's not enough for you you have to also steal this little girl's painting from her dad don't forget the ubiquitous soup pan Oh yeah, and there's a Warhol just like <laughs> laying against the wall. <laughs> he leaves her loft. Of course, she has an '80s artist, '80s, oh, 80s yeah. loft, '80s <laughs> artist loft. Mm-hmm. I mean, talk about ubiquitous. It's like <laughs> fifty thousand square feet. <laughs> <laughs> it's huge. <laughs> um, and I remember when I was a kid, anytime I would see an artist loft. I would be like, that looks awful. <laughs> like, <laughs> I do not want to live there. <laughs> Have some work-life balance. <laughs> That's funny. Um, I liked him. <laughs> I'm nervous because I'm like, oh God, is he going to start a relationship with her? Tom leaves Chelsea's house and he gets shot at. Who are these morons? Why would you just shoot at an ADA? Like, hmm, I don't know. How do I get an investigation going by the police? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'll shoot an assistant district attorney. Laura, Chelsea's attorney. I guess it was like one of the first times I watched a movie where I was like, this lady does not care what <laughs> other people think. And I'm super into this. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I want to not care what people think. Like, this is a goal now. Mm-hmm. And she gets Robert Redford at the end of the movie. So at one point, like, after Chelsea, um, she's been cleared for the theft. And then there's still things going on. And then at that point is, like, when Brian Dennehy shows up and tells Deborah Winger about, like, oh, I used to be on this case. And then I got too close and they kicked me off. And he gives her this file with all the insurance invoices and proves that like certain paintings were still in existence and weren't burned. And then she goes and grabs Tom and is like, we've got to investigate this. This detective just gave me all this inside information. And then they go to confront Taft about it. And he's like, you're crazy. This isn't true. And I'm going to sue you for even insinuating this. And then they realize like they're onto something because he's very disturbed by their accusation. So they follow him. He's at like Sotheby's auctions or something when they confront him, which is an awkward place to confront someone at an auction. But it's like <laughs> everyone's being quiet and everyone can hear what you're saying. There's a lot of awkward <laughs> confrontations. Their timing is off. <laughs> but so they follow him to this warehouse and then he leaves the door open. Did he? Okay, did he lure them there? <laughs> Oh, totally. He totally oh, lured them there. To catch on sometimes. <laughs> so they like follow him to this warehouse. And then he goes inside frantically and leaves the door to the warehouse like wide open. And then so 
uh, Laura's like, if the door's open, that means we can go in. It's not breaking and entering. So they go in. And then once they've snuck in, you see Taft leaving and he's like feverishly pushing some buttons and then running out. And they think they've like gotten one over on him because they get to stay inside the warehouse and snoop. But then they hear this ticking and then they realize he set a bomb (laughs) to blow up the warehouse. And I thought it was just to destroy the evidence, but also it sounds like he lured those two there to like destroy them as well. Totally. And I'm just realizing that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you were watching it in German. I was, no, I was, I had paid for it at this point. So (laughs) I was watching the proper version. And then, so they're like, oh my God, we got out of here. They're locked in this warehouse. And then the dynamite is counting down to five seconds and they're still there. But then suddenly you see them blow out, burst out the door on a forklift. So they escaped. And then the forklift, they drive it like into the Hudson River and they (laughs) land in the river. Kavanaugh just happens to be hanging out at the police station, Detective Kavanaugh whenever they show up mm-hmm. and he's like yeah i'm a i'm totally a detective here <laughs> that's right <laughs> detection that's the ticket i've got a trench coat i've got to be a detective <laughs> you know at the end when you get the big reveal and then they realize brock is the fake kavanaugh and that they've been duped mm-hmm. because then he's like just beating the hell out of Chelsea at the end of the movie which I was like oh my god he's like beating her yeah so okay so in between those like the end and the big reveal then Chelsea is so frustrated and she's still like fixated on getting the painting and getting info from Taft and then one night she shows up at Taft's apartment with a gun and she wants to like threaten him to get the info that's all we see and then the next thing we see is Chelsea shows up at um Tom's apartment and she's like I've done something awful I confronted him yeah and she's soaking wet of course and then um he's like what are you doing here and then he's like didn't you call Laura and she's like Laura I couldn't get a hold of her so I can't she's on a date yeah because Laura's on a date (laughs) and so then she comes in and he's like okay go in the bathroom get dried off whatever whatever and she says that like she has a big bruise on her cheek and she's like taft wrestled the gun away from me and then hit me and he kept the gun and then i escaped and came here tom's daughter is there and she's not into daryl hannah at all she's like she looks guilty to me dad And then, of course, his ex-wife shows up to pick up the daughter while Daryl Hannah's there, like, with no pants on, soaking wet in the shirt. And she's like, what is going on yeah. here? And then the, and then Jennifer, her, his teenage daughter, is like, dad didn't hit her in the face. She was trying to rob a guy. <laughs> yeah, so she's not helping the situation. Mom's not happy. Mom is super not happy. No. <laughs> So he lets uh, Chelsea stay there that night and then he sets her up on the couch and is like, you stay out here. I'm going to bed. Mm-hmm. Like this ends now. And then he wakes up in the middle of the night and she's in bed with him, which is like tables okay. were turned. We'd be way more offended if he had done that to her. Right? Okay. Some dude just gets in bed with you. It's not cool. Okay. It's not cool. So she's had three, like three different rejections by tom yeah like she keeps coming on to him no 
mm-hmm. not interested how desperate she is for like sexual validation from older men if I were attracted to somebody sexually but not mentally you know just sexually attractive and I kept saying no to them and then they got in my bed and I was half asleep and but they're already touching me Mm -hmm. I'm our I am sexually attracted to them at some point your body goes yes and your mind's like well I'm half asleep here when I woke up the next morning I'd be pissed off Mm -hmm. I'd be like you took advantage of the fact that I was like half asleep or actually he was totally asleep you took advantage of me being totally asleep and you starting to sexually stimulate me like while I'm sleeping. So there's no, (laughs) there's no consent there. No. Especially after I've already said no, like two or three times, very blatantly and told you, you stay on the couch. Do not come in my bedroom. I'm not really cool with that. There's also regret. And there's also not saying anything in the moment because you're physically aroused. Sometimes people are physically aroused, but their minds are not aroused. And the physical wins. Mm -hmm. And then there's regret. Right. And that happens to men too. It definitely happened to Tom because he definitely regretted it in the morning because he woke up to two detectives bursting into his bedroom. (laughs) pointing guns at him and he's like what's going on and then they're like Chelsea you're you're under arrest for the murder of Victor Taft and she's like I didn't do it Tom is just like ooh did I just sleep with a murderer last night and did she just seduce me because she knows she killed a guy yeah and she's gonna need my legal assistance the legal eagle Yeah, so he's feeling like used, betrayed, boundaries were crossed, and he's humiliated because then it's plastered all over because it gets leaked, and he's called like the darling DA, and like DA found in bed with murder. The district attorney on law and order Mm -hmm. uh, fires him. Oh, yeah. So there was some continuity. I really feel like that guy's the district attorney of New York City. I was like, wow. This if is you really play it in two movies, then it's real. That's right. They just give you a law degree. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know who else? Uh, Tom's assistant attorney. At- Christine Baranski. Yes. <laughs> From yeah, the I was good like, wife. oh my God. <laughs> From the good wife. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is where she got her start. <laughs> <laughs> now I have yes. a backstory for her, her character. Mm-hmm. They both have honorary law degrees. Yeah, so then he gets fired and it's like, geez, okay, like I didn't know she was a murderer when I slept with her. Plus backstory, she came into my room and he talks to Laura and then she's like, work on the case with me. And so then he works with her in her teeny little office. She's like, you're going to have to share a desk with me. And he's like, I'm messy. So you're gonna have to deal with that and then he's like I'm a pacer and she has a tiny office so he's just like pacing all around her tiny little office <laughs> it's a cute scene mm-hmm. and then they work together and they go into court together to defend her 
and they're both kind of questioning it, but then they both are like, I believe her, but I'm not sure why. Everything is wrong here. Mm-hmm. This girl's a victim. Whenever Laura confronts Tom about him sleeping with Chelsea, she's like, yeah. Laura's like, how could you do that to her? Like, doesn't this girl have enough horrible stuff happening in her life that you need to like confuse her or like make things Mm. confusing this is so interesting because she obviously likes tom she's not gonna blame chelsea for sleeping with tom she's blaming tom like you should know better like kind of like you're the adult in this situation Mm -hmm. you should know better and he agrees and I don't think that's just because he got caught. I think he would have felt terrible about it. No, too. I mean, that's why he was yeah. like actively avoiding it. It was clear that um, Laura was somewhat jealous of Chelsea. You know, obviously she's like, oh, well, she's a tall blonde and mm-hmm. she's got big eyes and a good body and everything that she said, he would like agree, but say like a great body. Mm-hmm. And then Laura would get defensive. Like, no, I didn't say that. <laughs> just a good body. Like, <laughs> She was like, don't get too carried away. Yeah. So you could see that she was like still, she was jealous about it because she did like mm-hmm. Tom, but she and Tom had not made anything formal. So they weren't dating, you know, at so all. she couldn't be mad at him or really get jealous, get mm-hmm. angry. Um, And they handled it well. So she like put her pride aside to still represent her and do a good job for Chelsea. Yeah. Well, she, she truly cares about Chelsea. Mm-hmm. And she sees her for who she is, which is like kind of a little girl lost. She's very really. much like a little girl still. Yeah. I mean, that's why she's constantly trying to get people to show her affection. She always has a very like dazed, lost look on her face. And she's always just being led around. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking like, so she was in Splash in 1984, <laughs> like two years before this. And I was like, she said more words in Splash where she was a mermaid that like didn't know how to speak than she spoke in this entire movie. Yeah, you're right. She said wow. maybe like 10 words, I think, except yeah. for her art recital thing. Yeah. She just walked around like looking confused all the time. Like she yeah. was still stunned and had not processed the fire mm-hmm. that took her father. Yes. Her dad was like the only parental figure in her life. And then I imagine that Taft became that for her. And then he took advantage of her on every level possible. It was her gun. Her fingerprints were on the gun. She was seen leaving Taft's apartment. Mm -hmm. So it'd be easy to convict her. Um, And then they're continuing to investigate further into the other guy, Forrester. They go to his apartment. They like sneak into his fancy apartment building. And that's where they see all the other paintings, just like a Warhol laying on the kitchen counter, (laughs) (laughs) a Rothko next to the toilet. There's just Mm -hmm. art everywhere. (laughs) Yeah. And they're like, okay, let's find out what's going on here. And then they go look at his bed and Tom jumps on his bed. He's like, look at his bed. It's so big. You could tag team in here. And he jumps on it. And then a hand like lands on his shoulder and they're like, oh. And then Forrester's dead in his bed. And they're like, oh God. And then he goes to the bathroom to wash the blood off of his hands. And he's like, let's call the cops. Or she said, let's call the cops. And then he's like, he can tell someone's behind him. 
And then he turns around and grabs a shower curtain and tackles someone. And then it ends up being Chelsea. And it's like, okay, you're at the scene of another murder and you were hiding in the shower. This seems very suspicious. And the guy's dead in bed. Yeah, the guy's dead in bed. So yeah, it looks pretty bad. And then she's like, I you I didn't know. I just um, came here because you called me. And he's like, I didn't call you. I didn't leave a message for you. So someone had left a message to set her up to be there. And at this point, we still didn't know who it was. And then they're like, okay, we've got to get on this trail. And then they're in the apartment and they see this really ugly sculpture outside. It's Chelsea's really like, ugly. It's so ugly and it's so huge. And it's like blocking the view of the river. That was the first thing I thought. I'm like, I would petition to have that removed immediately. It's so bad. It's so 80s. <laughs> it's so bad. And then Chelsea's like Taft hated Bigelow or whatever artist that was. And then they all get this like brainstorm of like, oh, there's a Bigelow at the museum, Taft's museum. Why would he have it if he hates it? It is office. So and then they're like, ding, 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 ding. The girls go to the office to look for that. And they're having weird like the choice. memorial for Taft at that time. I thought that was a weird choice. And where does Tom go? That's when he goes, finds out Kavanaugh is not real. The real Kavanaugh. Yeah, he was an imposter. Yeah. And then he's like, oh God, the girls must be in trouble. So mm-hmm. then he races there. In the meantime, the imposter Kavanaugh, Brock, has taken the girls and is forcing them to bust the sculpture open so that he can get to the painting inside, which I thought was really weird. He's holding them at gunpoint, but he gives them like a giant weapon thing that they could use against him. I know. (laughs) And forces them to break it open. I feel like I would just tie them up and then do it myself. I know. It's bizarre. It was also really funny looking. Or maybe Brock just didn't feel like doing that physical labor. And he's like, while I've got you at gunpoint, you guys do the hard part. And then I'll just grab the painting out. But then Laura does what we would all think of doing and uses the big mallet and gives her to like bash him, but it backfires and he knocks her out and then he beats up Chelsea and handcuffs her to a desk and then takes the painting that he wants. And then he sets all these other paintings on fire and I don't really understand why. He just sets the whole gallery on fire. He must be the fire bug. He must have Oh my God. He's probably, you know what? He's the one that started the fire at the party. Mm-hmm. he likes starting fires he gets off on it he likes burning millions of dollars worth of art mm-hmm. and you know what else he hates taft so much that the oh, gallery, right. his gallery is just an extension of him he does it's not like he appreciates art right he just wants the money tom makes it there in time mm-hmm. everyone's escaped um except for laura and chelsea because they were trapped in that room and then tom and sees Brock in the hall they fight and he throws him Brock catches on fire and then Tom throws him over a balcony but he lands in like a pool of water theoretically he could have survived but I guess he's not supposed to have and then he rescues the girls they all go outside and then Chelsea finally gets her painting back well you know in the fire there's a backdraft (gasps) oh my god backdraft That's like, right, because I was like, this fire is burning so strangely. Yeah, and then he, one of my favorite. And then he opens the door, and yes. I, was, I, heard, I was like, backdraft. I can't believe I didn't get that. Thank you. Oh my god, you I get like watch that emotional. I get like 
physical feelings when I think of backdraft. That's a Hollywood hunks movie. That's a total Hollywood hunks movie. How did we not think of that? It's got double hunks, maybe, maybe triple. I don't remember. Maybe we should do it next this oh week. Oh my god, we should do backdraft. You're yeah. Right. That, that was, movie really moved you in particular. It, I read the book. Whoa. I can't believe there even was a book. <laughs> I can't wait for this episode. Loved that movie. <laughs> Backdraft it is. Oh, that's so great. And it ties into this one. <laughs> awesome. Okay, yeah. So they're all outside. Happy ending. She mm-hmm. gets her painting. Laura and Tom get each other. Mm-hmm. And there's this scene where uh, Chelsea is talking to the reporters, like after the fire, and they're all, you know, enamored with her. Mm-hmm. And then Laura's like, that's when Laura's like, oh, you know, she seduced Taff and then she seduced you. And she's kind of like fishing around to see where if Tom likes Chelsea. And so she starts talking about how like pretty she is again and everything. Tom says, she has great eyes, but they're not as great as yours. (laughs) It's cute. And then of course, the DA from Law and Order asked him to come back. And now we know why that DA stayed, stayed so long on Law and Order. It's because Tom decided to go work with Laura. (laughs) <laughs> so he couldn't retire. <laughs> it all makes sense now. I'm so glad I'm getting the backstories I've always been curious about. Then there's like at the credits and he's like, nah, I'm going to work with Laura. And then they're in love and they eat a lot of food in the romance <laughs> montage that plays on half of the screen while the credits roll on the other half. Yeah. And my favorite part of the montage was whenever Laura walks out of his out of Tom's apartment and then he puts his eye up to the peephole to watch her walk down the hall. Aww. And I was like, that is adorable. <laughs> it was a cute montage. And I'm kind of glad they put it all at the end. So it's like. And I liked how much they ate together. They both loved food. Mm-hmm. There was that one scene where they didn't really know each other yet, but it kept flashing back between Tom and Laura both having insomnia. Yes. And like they were both eating like a lot of food that you maybe shouldn't eat at three, four Ooh, in the morning. Especially her. Yeah. And he she- likes to tap dance when he has insomnia. He yeah. tap dances in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> and she did like a legitimate binge eating. <laughs> He was like eating the chicken from poltergeist okay yes. i mean it was horrifying I she was like, in her bed too <laughs> it's like she's eating an entire chicken she ate a hot dog like a raw hot dog oh God. that was gross she like wiped the juice off of it and yeah. then spread mustard on it and just ate it raw with no bun and then she was dipping a popsicle in soda oh god and she had champagne yeah she had like ribs a box of cereal on her bed she ate a lot I mean she kind of it was like she was binging it was too much it was a binge and then I mean she even threw up the next day she did but not like not like intentionally no I just mean um, she ate so much she got yeah she ate so much that she did throw up but yeah after 
Kavanaugh showed up and told her that that it was a murder of Chelsea's dad, not like just an accidental death in the fire. Then she yeah. was like overwhelmed with this info. And then that made her throw up. Uh, you so know, she had like an entire bottle of champagne. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I was yes. like, wow, a woman in an 80s movie who eats food. I know. And, and also gets the guy. And has a brain. What's happening? And a career and like isn't equal. <laughs> and like the guy especially likes her because she's his equal. Mm-hmm. It was great. Yeah. I enjoyed it. It was sweet. Um, Robert Redford is a honk. He's handsome and just like a very like overdone. You know, he's just like, hey, I'm a man and I happen to be really handsome. Mm-hmm. Let's not make a big deal about it. I, you know what it might be is that maybe in real life, he's not a narcissist. Yeah. And I feel like he and Paul Newman were both that way. I and then there was a Paul Newman's dressing by her when she was having her binge. Did you uh-huh. see that too? I did. <laughs> And those guys did a movie together. Yeah. I do have trivia. Oh, awesome. Some legitimate trivia this time. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I do want to say, though, that there was a Brian Doyle Murray sighting. Wait. In this movie. Oh, I know there. You're right. (laughs) Bill Murray's brother was in it for a second. Yeah. (laughs) I don't remember what he was, but. He was just like a guy that was a colleague at a party. I love seeing him. It's always a treat. (laughs) (laughs) I'm always like, Brian Doyle Murray sighting. (laughs) Oh my God. And there was a Seinfeld's mom sighting. Yes, she's in the jury. jury. And she got to speak a line, like an important line as well. I felt like they held it on her for a while. Where I was like, did they know she was going to be Seinfeld's mom? I know. Someone had a special insight about her. They were like, this lady is going to be a star. Mm-hmm. Big time. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Yeah, okay. Anything I mean, else? I like the overall message of this movie. Mm-hmm. The male and female dynamics of having a relationship that's built on mutual respect. Yes. Uh, so that's sort of a newer thing <laughs> that we're getting in these 80s, you know, especially the 80s movies. The other thing, I just really have a low tolerance whenever I see uh, reporters. Like somebody is in, somebody's just had something really horrible happen to them. And then mm-hmm. you go outside and there's like 30 reporters on your step asking you extremely invasive questions about your sex life. Yeah. And I just thought, you know, I feel like the media is actually just a life-sucking, fear-mongering corporate tool. Then I thought about how Robert Redford was in, oh, uh, the one with Dustin Hoffman in the 70s. What is like journalistic responsibility the the difference between people that prey on other people's misfortune to get for clickbait yes and uh, all the president's men yes all the president's men about the the breaking of the watergate scandal 
but I, I don't know. I just always think about that whenever I'm watching a movie and I see all the reporters and they're like, we have a right to know. And it's like, really, <laughs> you have a right to know why I slept with a woman. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think you do have a right to know. Like, I, it's like none of your fucking business, you know? Right. And then also there's an immediate assumption that having sex with somebody is like always going to be for bad intentions because sex is bad Mm -hmm. and I felt like what was really going on in that scenario is that she needed somebody because she felt lost and she has only been taught to use her sexuality to get affection and he was comforting her and I would probably do the same thing if I was in his situation mm-hmm. and I was asleep. I mean, I think people were treated, women were treated pretty well in this movie. It was refreshing for 1986. Mm-hmm. There was nothing really bad. It was pretty positive. It was pretty pro-woman. Mm-hmm. And it mm-hmm. made me think that I want to give you my love touch. I think you're going to do that at some point. <laughs> I'm waiting. And I was like, that makes my skin crawl though. Oh my God. Is there a grosser title for a song? <laughs> Why is it so gross? I have been a Rod Stewart fan like since childhood because my aunts always listened to him and I had like the album. I never like thought he was hot or anything, but I just always really liked him and his music. But yeah, that song is not on my list of favorites. <laughs> so and gross. The I title's was- gross. It's just gross. I listened to the whole song. Yeah. And at the end, he's like, you're going to get a big love touch. And I was like, oh, what's the big one mean? (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) That was a miss for me for Rod, but it made its like number six on the Billboard charts. Mm. It was popular. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Your trivia. I feel like there was one other. Oh, the question. I actually Mm -hmm. did think of a question this time. Mm -hmm. It's very simple question awesome inspired by robert redford shirtless chest hair or no chest hair what do you guys think what do you ladies think are you pro or against yeah it's gonna be a twitter poll (laughs) he had so much of it in the 80s especially that was like the ladies loved it him burt reynolds Tom Selleck, it was like hair everywhere bursting he, out. Robert Redford, shockingly hairy for a guy with long hair. Yeah, he's very hairy. And like, did you ever see Jeremiah Johnson? No. Harry Jeremiah Johnson. He's got a beard that's just like. Beard. Oh, that's the one that they make the gif about where he's like a mountain man. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's that. like, mm-hmm. it's like. I just am not used to seeing blonde guys that can have, that have like a lot of hair. He's not like a typical blonde. It's almost like a strawberry blonde. Yeah. He's almost a redhead. Yes. There have been women, especially older women who have called my husband like a young Robert Redford and he mm-hmm. gets very tickled. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you look like a young Robert Redford. <laughs> <laughs> like, thank you, miss. <laughs> It's usually women in like their 70s or 80s, so I don't get too intimidated. (laughs) (laughs) It's very sweet. Yeah. You're like, he's my man. (laughs) 
back off, Betty. <laughs> that would be so weird. Hazel. <laughs> yes, like, okay. Follow her into the restroom at <laughs> the restaurant. Yeah. I steal her cane while she's using the bathroom. <laughs> That's my man. <laughs> okay, this isn't trivia. These are just random things I wrote down throughout. For a minute, I thought Deborah Winger sounded like Peppermint Patty. <laughs> she's got that raspy voice, which I like. But also, for any Zoolander fans, mm. this is, they call his look Blue Steel. She says, you get that blue steel look. And I was like, oh my God, that's Zoolander. <laughs> nice catch. Yeah. Oh, and then the one guy that was trying to shoot him totally looked like Bobcat Goldweight. <laughs> Did you notice that? No. <laughs> wasn't, but that's about it. Okay, trivia. Courtesy of IMDb. It really all started with, I was wondering about Daryl Hannah because I noticed that she rarely spoke in any movies that I saw her in. And I was like, maybe she has like an accent or English is her second language. I was like, where is she from? And it said she's from Chicago. So I'm like, <laughs> okay, never mind. <laughs> and then I found out, did you know this? She married Neil Young. Yeah. I did not know that. One of my favorite werewolves, Neil Young. In 2018. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty neat. I was blown away. Okay. You yeah. already knew. Yeah, but he married somebody age appropriate, which I respect. Yeah, he was like 70 and she was like 57. So I think when um, you get that old, that's the same age practically. <laughs> Holly, ages. <laughs> no, I don't mean it like that. I mean, I feel like once you get past a certain age, if you're you're just old and it all blends together. Well, no, saying? not like that. I just mean I think that you're <laughs> I think that like okay if you're 50 mm -hmm. like you know who you are yeah so if you're hopefully so if you're married to a 70 year old that's very different than if you're 30 married mm -hmm. to a 50 year old that's mm -hmm. all I'm saying I know <laughs> you're just razzing me <laughs> I'm razzing you <laughs> Um, okay, this isn't really like trivia, but so this was uh, Ivan Reitman's first film after Ghostbusters, which I thought was interesting because it's so different. Also, the script was originally starting out as like a documentary about the uh, Rothko estate. Really? The artist. Yeah. So that kind of makes me want to look into it and be like, what was going on there? Did Ooh. something like this happen? Ooh, with... Maybe we should do an uncovered. If it's yeah, it's kind of interesting. interesting. There was a Rothko in that pile of paintings yeah. in that guy's bathroom or whatever. Um, okay, Ray Don Chong was originally going to play Daryl Hannah's role, or they were considering her. Who is that? Okay, she was in, unfortunately, the first movie I can think of her in is the movie Soul Man. She was the love interest. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Wait, but I didn't look up other that? movies that she's in. Was that that movie where the guy? Yes, that's that movie. Goes... Don't even talk about it. Oh my god! I okay. See, I remember seeing that as a kid and thinking, "This is real fucked up." Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's from 1986 as well. So maybe she did that movie instead of. This oh one. Ray! You're like oh my god! <laughs> she was in the color purple. Really? Yes, I forgot. Oh god, that movie. Tales from the Dark Side. 
Cheech and Chong. She was in a bunch of stuff. Um, oh my God, Soul Man, this is not okay. Yeah, don't look at it. Anyways. Um, <laughs> Just don't even look at it. <laughs> this oh, is one that will make you angry. She was going to be Daryl Hannah's character? That's what it said. I can see her being more like artsy, you know? Yeah, but it's I, it just amazes me because she's not lily white skinned. Mm-hmm. And it was still 1986. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Then but she would she have seduced is... Robert. Exactly. Hot. Um, okay, Jane Fonda and Cher supposedly both went out for the role of Laura Kelly. And they... We're told that they were too old. And see, this is the thing that we saved for last. Because Robert Redford is 50 in this movie. Yeah. And his love interest, Laura is 31. Deborah in real Winger. life? Mm-hmm. Okay. I looked it up. <laughs> it was actually oh, the first thing I did. <laughs> oh, good. So Red is 50. Deborah is 31. And Daryl Hannah's 26. Oh, she really is 26. Mm-hmm. Just like in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I didn't do the math on Jane and Cher, but they were probably like the same age as Robert or younger still. Yeah. Yeah. Like probably a few years younger. Mm-hmm. But they were too old. So that kind of sucks. Well, yeah. And that's par for the core, which is why I left it. I was going to talk about it. At the oh, end okay because it's the same thing that happened in like every 80s movie and 90s and 2000s <laughs> i mean it's really just been like the last 10 15 mm-hmm. years that women have started being cast in roles that were age appropriate i feel like it's been five years oh really i think so I might be jaded and bitter, but I feel like it hasn't even been 15 years. I'm like, it's been 15. You're like, no, it's been five. <laughs> no, it was actually yesterday. It was the first time. <laughs> okay, yeah. So I didn't want to end on a total bitter note, um, just yeah. for a change of pace. Mm-hmm. And this is, you might already, <laughs> this is another little bit of trivia that goes along with our running theme, but it's legitimately on here. Mm-hmm. According to IMDb, IMDb, it was originally going to be two men instead of a man and a woman, and it was going to be Dustin Hoffman and Bill Murray. (laughs) (laughs) Bill Murray was considered for every movie of the 80s. What is happening? I don't know. Oh, God. It cracks me up. Okay, that's it. Wait, it was gonna be yeah. So two like, men getting together. Well, they would have just changed that element of it. I'm sure they didn't have to have a romance in there. One well, of them would have slept true. with Daryl Hannah, right? And then yada yada, they would have worked together. Mm-hmm. And that's then the, Bill Murray would have slept with Daryl Hannah, and then Dustin Hoffman would have walked around with his hand up to his head mm-hmm. and been like why'd you have to sleep with her that's what could have been so I was so happy to see that that I got to throw that in there 
I was and actually, it was real. I was actually <laughs> gonna one. I wondered. I was like, is she gonna say the Bill Murray was gonna play Robert Redford? <laughs> true but it's really true it's really true it's so fucked up Mm -hmm. okay you know people talk about six degrees of kevin bacon yeah but really it's just every movie starts with bill murray Mm -hmm. yeah because you can include his brother who's in like if bill's not in it his brother's in it somewhere yeah pretty much Nice. Okay. Well, um, that was fun. We're going to wrap it up. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Again, the question is chest hair or no, I'm going to make a Twitter poll, but also if you have any personal experiences with chest hair, good, or bad, or someone else's. Yeah. Waxing. Or, or like a waxed back gone wrong. Mm-hmm. Let us know at coverguyspodcast at gmail.com or reply to our Twitter poll your details about your chest hair experience if you really like the show and you'd like to help support us you can become a patron there's many different levels there's lots of great content holly's always working on and we also have our uncovered episodes which are just like little sprinkles of randomness throughout you can listen to those i want to give you my love touch. yes if you become a patron we will give you our love touch <laughs> <laughs> nice <laughs> Thanks. See you next Tuesday. Love you. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Thank you for listening to Cover Your Eyes Podcast.